Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Life Stance Health, where each episode covers the many facets of mental health and well-being. Hello, everyone. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and on this episode, I'll be talking with therapist Chris Elmy, and he'll help us to understand more about personality disorders. So welcome, Chris. Great to have you on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding that surrounds personality disorders. So Chris, I'm really glad that we'll have this conversation today because you'll help us to understand the different types of personality disorders as well as how they're diagnosed and how they're treated. So that's also important to help correct those misunderstandings and those misnomers about personality disorders. So thank you again for being on. Of course. Tell us a little bit about what got you interested in working with individuals with personality disorders. Sure. So when I was an intern in my master's degree, um, interns tend to just take whatever it is that they can get so that they can gain some kind of footing and some experience in the field. And I ended up working with a lot of people that had symptoms resembling a diagnosis of borderline or diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. And I thought that it was such an interesting thing because here are these people that are struggling really diff- or you know, struggling in really difficult ways with themselves, with the way that they perceive themselves or with the way that they fit into the world. And I think that being able to understand how we fit in to our own psyche or how we fit into the wider social system in which we live is a really important thing and is a problem that a lot of people with help solving. And I felt like I could be that person. Great. So how would you define a personality disorder? So the DSM has a wordy definition. It's an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that deviates markedly from the expectations of individual culture, is pervasive and inflexible, and has onset in adolescence and stuff like that. The most important aspect that the DSM points out is that it results in some kind of distress or impairment within the self or within the social setting. And I think that's one of the the best ways that we can go about defining a personality disorder is some way that we think or behave that causes distress or impairment in the self or within our social circle. What are some of the different types? There are actually quite a few. Personality disorders are subdivided into different clusters. There's cluster A, cluster B, and cluster C. And cluster A is they tend to have traits that are considered odd or eccentric, whereas cluster B has traits that are considered dramatic or erratic, and cluster C has traits that are considered anxious or inhibited. And this is from Johns Hopkins, so it's a pretty widely accepted point of view on personality disorders. Those are just very generalized terms, even though describing somebody odd might not be the most kind thing to do. (laughs) I do think that most people would understand, oh, this is an odd eccentric behavior. Maybe this fits into this cluster, right? In cluster A, we have paranoid personality disorder. These people, they, they exhibit erratic and odd behaviors such as like being distant and being unable to form close relationships. We have schizoid personality disorder, and these people exhibit a pretty intense fear of closeness, and they're introverted, not because of just a detachment, but because of a fear. And then schizotypal, these people are cold, distant, and introverted, but they also show signs of thinking or perceptive uh, symptoms that are more resemblant of 
maybe a schizophrenic or other schizotypal uh, situation. Cluster B, I think, is the most famous because it includes borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. I also, it also includes antisocial personality disorder and histrionic. And borderline has a bad rap, but these people have a really hard time in relationships and their mood might also be really difficult to regulate. Those are the key symptoms of borderline and those could be described as maybe dramatic or erratic. Antisocial personality disorder they tend to show a disregard or a lack of empathy towards the feelings of others or maybe property or systems of authorities in place. Narcissistic personality disorder typically exhibits feelings of overly inflated feelings of self-worth or a sense of grandiosity or superiority, and they often seek admiration and are upset when they don't have those things. Histrionic is interesting because these types of people are overly conscious of their appearance or of their social standing. So this is really where we start to get into how people fit into social settings and not just an issue within the self. Because if a person with histrionic is in an uncomfortable social situation, it, it's game over. They're having a really hard time. Cluster C, these ones are defined as anxious or inhibited disorders and we have dependent personality disorder this is where you rely really heavily on others for validation basic needs types of things like that you really don't have a sense of confidence in yourself avoidant personality disorder is where you avoid situations with any possible conflict because conflict isn't something that people with this diagnosis are able to cope with and finally obsessive compulsive personality disorder which is very commonly confused with obsessive compulsive disorder but that personality aspect is a big difference and people with OCPD they like to have things just so and are very adverse to change this is typically what in media is people having their pencils just or having everything be a certain way that's OCPD so yeah there are a lot of different kinds of personality disorders I think that was you covering all of them in brief little snippets, which great job. That's not easy to take a whole personality disorder and just break it down to uh, snippets like that. But you just enable people to understand like how many there are, because oftentimes we hear of mainly borderline or narcissistic, things like that, which I guess brings me to the question of what are the most common? Sure. So interestingly enough, I thought that it would be borderline because it's portrayed so often right right you're so much about it it's actually obsessive compulsive personality really that's actually yeah. surprising to me okay yeah I, I was also surprised and that info also comes from johns hopkins medical schools got you reputable yeah, source fact. yeah right. yeah i thought that was interesting because you don't hear a lot about it the second most common personality disorder is actually narcissistic personality disorder which also came as a surprise because when you think of narcissism you think of more uncommon behaviors, maybe like mm -hmm. sopathy or maybe like somebody who's a sociopath and a narcissist. But I guess it's also pretty common and is actually not as, I don't know, maybe not as Jeffrey Dahmer as people think that it is. Gotcha. It's much more gotcha. benign than the media would like to portray. And then the third most common is borderline personality disorder. So how do personality disorders form? I think that this is one of the most interesting kind of diagnosis because it is it has a holistic pattern of development, right? So personality is our way of interacting with the world around us and with ourselves. And when there's a disorder within the personality, 
that means that somewhere along the way in our early development, whether it's prenatal or as we're an infant or a young child, something happened in the world that made us feel or perceive something as unsafe. And I think attachment theory has a big thing to do with mm -hmm. personality disorders. The way that it was described to me by one of my professors in grad school was if you were a baby sleeping at night and you heard a loud noise outside, it really scared. If, if your caregiver runs in and picks you up and takes care of you and lets you know that they're there, that results in a secure attachment. And that mm -hmm. lets you know, oh, my, my world is safe. My world yes. is secure. Right? Yes. Whereas if you had loud noise, scary, you caregiver runs in, picks you up and says, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. You're crying. You're stressing me out. This is unbelievable. That lets you know that yes, your caregiver will be there for you. And that might not always be a good thing. Right. So you are always wound up and anxious about it. And that results in an anxious attachment. Sometimes caregivers might not come in. Loud noise scares you and nobody comes. Or maybe they come, pick you up, set you down, leave because you are physically okay. Nothing is mm -hmm. physically wrong. Mm -hmm. That might result in an avoidant attachment style because if you can count on somebody, great. If you can't count on somebody fulfilling your emotional needs, they're just checking on you physically and that's all they're ever there for, then you start to learn, oh, maybe I can just take care of myself because nobody else is going to do it. I have to be independent. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's a mixed form of those. And that might result in like a fearful or a disorganized attachment where you never quite know what to expect. Attachment and trauma really go hand in hand yes. because instead of that big, scary noise in the middle of the night, what if you're in a car accident? Or what if you are the victim of some kind of assault and nobody's there for you? Then you start to realize, oh, I'm going to have to take care of myself. I have to shut other people out. I can't count on other people. That might result in some kind of behavior that's socially isolating or something that, you know, might make you shy away from other people. And that starts to sound an awful lot like one of those schizotypal personality disorders mm -hmm. where you can only count on yourself or you're afraid of other people. Whereas if you have an anxious style attachment, you might think, okay, I have other people, but I don't quite know what to expect. So I have to be my very best self all the time or I have to protect my emotions at all costs. So that way you might come across as maybe somebody with a histrionic or a borderline personality disorder. There's a lot of literature on this topic exactly, or specifically. Um, really famous mental health practitioners like Gabor Mate or Peter Levine or Bessel van der Kolk, they all really support the idea that humans are feeling creatures and that our ability to feel and attune with others is one of the most important aspects of development. And if we can't do that, if we can't feel connected and safe as neonates and as infants, then it affects our thinking and our behavior later mm -hmm. on and might result in a personality disorder. How are personality disorders diagnosed? That is a little bit more complicated. Personality disorders are one of the most misdiagnosed disorders there are with over 90% of the time, something in the symptomology doesn't quite fit. And that's really, that's daunting as a mental yeah. health practitioner because there's a lot of pressure there. But I think the most important thing to look for when you're looking for a personality disorder diagnosis is to look for that discomfort or with that lack of fitting in with others or fitting in with the self, right? Because 
if you're just a weird person, but you're comfortable with, that's great. That's not right. a disorder. Right. But right. if you are behaving in a certain way and it affects you socially and you're really right. bothered by that, or if it affects your perception of self and you're really bothered by it, that's the first thing we look for. After that, we want to look for social norm deviation, where if you're, I don't know, if you're having a hard time fitting in at school, for example, if, if a person is an adolescent and you're having a hard time fitting in, that might be something that we can look at because maybe they're just having a hard time or maybe there's something else. Maybe they are socially isolating and are consciously doing that. Or maybe they're exhibiting symptoms of grandiosity and people aren't really attuning to that specific behavior. And we can also look at um, those specifiers laid out by Johns Hopkins, where if somebody is generally odd or erratic or dramatic or anxious or inhibited or something like that, that might give us some insight as to what kind of personality disorder they are dealing with. And mm -hmm. then once we have a vague idea of maybe what cluster they're working with, then we can really get into the specifics of, okay, does this person qualify for histrionic or does this person qualify for OCPD or something like that? Got you. So if we were going to get just a little bit more specific, are there some typical signs and symptoms you might be looking for? Sure. So there is a diagnosis in the DSM that precedes all the other diagnoses, and it's just called general personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that we can look at are if a person perceives or interprets the self, other people, their environment as different than one would generally perceive, right? So maybe, I don't know, I seem like a nice guy, I'm sure. Maybe you do. not. I don't Okay. But if somebody looks at me and says, wow, you are an objectively unsafe, dangerous person. I don't know anything about you, but you just feel unsafe to me. That might tell me, okay, your perception of me is different. Or if mm -hmm. they, if I were to tell myself, you think I'm a nice guy. I think I'm just really great. I think I'm the best. I think I'm the most wonderful thing to mm -hmm. ever happen. That might be a deviation of right. societal perception where I think I'm just so great. I have that grandiosity about me. Um, affect is also a big thing because a person's display of emotions or their behaviors that relate to their feelings, that can tell us a lot about what's going on. But if a person has an especially limited affect where they have maybe flat, neutral, mm -hmm. no feelings and angry, upset, that emotion, and that's it, that might tell us that, okay, this person is really limited in their emotional expression. Or if they have a really wide array of emotional affect, but it's from A to B to C to D to E really rapidly, that might also tell us, okay, this person has a lot of feelings happening all at once. And that might tell us that their affect or that their personality isn't quite as stable as one might normally experience. I think the most common symptom is that whatever discomfort that they're experiencing is pervasive and is inflexible. Those are the two key words right there, pervasive and inflexible. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. If a, if a person, for example, with borderline personality disorder, they, they want to keep themselves safe. They want to really make sure that their relationships are stable. The problem with that is that in trying to keep themselves safe and their relationship stable, they tend to slingshot back and forth really quickly. And that might happen in a really toxic or a really bad relationship in somebody without a personality disorder. 
but that tends to happen in a lot more relationships with people who have borderline. So that's that pervasiveness. It sticks over time. And that line of thinking is also really inflexible because they keep thinking, oh, I have to protect myself. I have to preserve the relationship. I have to love right. myself. I have to be loved by others. And it's always that. Are personality disorder disorders treated? Generally speaking, there's the trifecta of personality disorder treatment is cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, and acceptance and commitment therapy. I think that CBT is pretty well fitting into most diagnoses, regardless of if it's a personality disorder or not. It's the gold standard as far as therapy goes. Dialectical behavior therapy is really great with personality disorders because it teaches people to understand that there might be more ways of thinking about things than they currently understand. And it might also teach them ways of solving an issue that they didn't quite understand before and teach them, okay, this is a social situation. Here are things that I might bring to the table. Here are things that might detract from that. It's really a holistic way of operating within the self and within a group. Acceptance and commitment therapy is good because it teaches people to accept, hey, I have something going on that might not be my favorite thing. I can work on it and deal with the symptoms and their unpleasantness at the same time. And I think that those three things used in conjunction are really useful. I tend to think that personality disorders do really well when emotionally focused therapies are used. I really love things like internal family systems therapy mm -hmm. or different kinds of parts work. And I think that this is a really nice way of approaching a personality disorder because sometimes the whole disorder, the whole set of symptoms can feel really big and really daunting. And instead, if we, I don't want to say break it up because break it sounds harsh, but maybe if we, uh, if we decide that borderline isn't just borderline, maybe if it's the part that deals with relationships and the part mm -hmm. that deals with the self and the part that deals with feelings. Now we have three much smaller parts right. to deal with and we can work on what do those parts make us feel? What do those parts have to offer? What kind of harm are those parts doing? What do those parts need in terms of validation? That kind of thing. Because if personality disorders stem from not getting what we need as infants or from a trauma or from an attachment style that we've learned and taken on, maybe we can work on undoing that a little bit. Maybe we can work on giving our ourselves and those parts of us that are feeling invalidated or unwanted or things like that. Maybe we can give them what we, what they need. Maybe, right. Yeah. Maybe we can address it that way instead of just saying this thought is a cognitive error because that might be true. And right. also that thought's doing its best and it might just need to be told that it's working real hard. Right. I like how you put that. Why do you think personality disorders are so stigmatized? I think I'm going to sound a little bit uh, dated on this, but like it's a media thing. I think a lot of it okay. is because the way that personality disorders are portrayed in the media, it shows all the bad parts. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's fair exactly. I do think it's important for people to know that a personality disorder is something that people struggle with and is something that is really hard for a lot of people. And I also think that oftentimes in 
TV or in movies. The personality disorders are the process. This is it. This is bad. And this is all that there will ever be. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. I actually, I have a list of different people in media who have different personality disorders portrayed. The first and foremost is Batman, who has a diagnosis of schizoid personality disorder. He has a really hard time with close relationships, and he takes pleasure in very little things, right? And that's tough because people think, oh, wow, Batman's an awesome superhero. And also, he's so tortured, and that's just the way that he is, and there's no changing Batman. And I think that Batman really benefit from talking to some people about his feelings and experiences because <laughs> he's saving the day. He does those hard feelings all the time. I love um, that. I have oftentimes when I'm teaching personality disorders, I flounder around trying to find good examples, especially with schizoids. So I never thought about Batman fitting that. So thank you. That's actually oh, really interesting. Yeah. I think another one who my my personal favorite because I'm a giant Star Wars nerd. Um Anakin Skywalker fits the criteria for borderline personality disorder. Tell me more and, about that. Okay. Sure. So over the course of the movies, he grows up in a really traumatic environment as a slave where people show him like, oh, you only have emotional relational significance if you're doing something for me. And his mom is a relatively stable person over time, but he gets taken away from her when he goes to be a Jedi. He also has really unstable and intense relationships because of the nature of his training right, and because of the nature right. of his job going around and fighting bad guys. He also has a really difficult thing with his identity because, yeah, he's just this little boy on this desert planet with his mom, but then he's also the chosen one. And then he's also just trying to be happy with his wife, who that's a complicated thing because they have to <laughs> right. keep it in secret anyway. Right. So he just has so much going on in terms of relationships and in terms of mm -hmm. who am I and what does that mean? There are some really complicated things in Anakin's life that fit that BPD diagnosis. And that's certainly not portrayed well either because those types of behaviors and symptoms, they end up consuming him and making him into a really manipulatable right. type of person. And right. that's certainly not a great portrayal of BPD. Yeah. I mean, it is a great portrayal, but it's not an optimistic one. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. For sure. Yeah. Right. I think everybody is familiar with Breaking Bad and Walter White. Walter. And I also think, I also think that <laughs> probably the most stigmatized of the personality disorders is narcissistic personality disorder. I hear it all the time on TikTok and Instagram mm -hmm. and sessions. People will describe somebody that they don't really care for. It's, oh my gosh, he was just a narcissist. Or, oh my gosh, he's so narcissistic. And that's not, most of the time that's not accurate. Right. Is right. right. Mm -hmm. People with narcissistic personality disorder have a really hard time. They really want to be important. They have this huge inflated sense of grandiosity about them. They fantasize about unlimited power or unlimited success. And they think that they're special and that they require so much admiration. And when they don't get that, it is so emotionally disturbing for them. And somebody being a jerk at the grocery store or maybe your boyfriend not doing the dishes, that is a jerk move. And it's not narcissism, right? There's right. a big difference there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Those are great. Did you, any other ones that you had to share? Willy Wonka comes to mind. I think everybody, the, the old Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, they watch that and they're like, okay, something's up with this guy. Where he actually qualifies for a schizotypal personality disorder. And I think that's hilarious because yeah. he, is, <laughs> he definitely 
fits the bill of somebody. Yeah, I never uh, thought of it. Dramatic, that type right, of thing. Right. Where he has this really odd sense of beliefs and really magical thinking patterns, unusual perceptive experiences, especially like odd speech patterns, odd thought patterns. He does have a constricted affect because you think throughout the movie, there are these children being sucked up tubes or being turned into blueberries or whatever and he's just okay this is fine Mm -hmm. okay cool that might not be the the most wide affective uh uh, spectrum that you could hope for (laughs) gosh those are great no thank you i loved how you really help people understand it more by using some of those pop culture references for sure i think yeah a lot of people get their information from the media anyway so look at it a little bit differently that might help them to perceive it differently Definitely. Any other takeaways you'd like to share? I think if it would be at all possible, I would love to start describing people not in terms of disorders, but just in terms of, oh, this person is doing a weird thing, not this person is so OCD, this person is so narcissistic. I think Mm -hmm. the, the way that we describe things and our verbiage and our vernacular around human description has a lot to do with the way that we perceive people. Mm-hmm. And personality disorders are all about perception, whether it's the perception of self or others. If we can perceive others in a more positive way when they're exhibiting symptoms about or that align with personality disorders, maybe that would be helpful to them in their thought processes and their perception of themselves or others too, right? More than anything, it's just the reciprocity of kindness, even if it's just thinking kind things about people and describing Mm -hmm. people in kind ways. I think that's really important and a really validating way of supporting people that have personality disorders. I agree. My gosh. Thank you so much, Chris, for this very interesting conversation, helping us understand more about personality disorders and also combining it with media and different characters to help us really get an even better sense of it. So thank you again. Appreciate you. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Winnin, and Chris Kelman, with a special thanks to Jason Clayton, who edits our episodes. Thank you for listening to Converse from the Couch. Take care, everyone. 